Hello and good morning. If it's morning for you, I hope you've got coffee. If it's evening, maybe something different. Uh, my name is Alec. I'm the host here of the Learners Podcast. And today we're going to be chatting with somebody about an upcoming talk, this time for DesignConf, which is happening at the end of the first full week in June in Brooklyn, New York. And we're really looking forward to hopefully seeing you there, either online or in person. So today we're speaking with Patrick Herzog. Patrick is a co-founder of a company called NextThink. And he's joining me today to talk to us a little bit about his story and what he's going to be speaking about this year. Patrick, thanks for joining me. Hi, Alec. Thank you for having me. Nice to meet you. Yeah, uh, likewise. Uh, we've had a few chats and I've, I'm really interested in, in the stuff that you're talking about because for me, being both interested in research and design, but also in entrepreneurship, you know, you kind of have a pretty interesting perspective being at the intersection of all those things. Um, so maybe uh, if we can, if we can, let's start at the beginning for you, maybe how you got started in this business that you've built and how your role has kind of evolved over time as the chief experience officer, basically. So, yeah, so, so all started a long time ago now, about uh, 18 years ago. So I, I, I met uh, one person working at the APFL. The APFL is a technical school in, in Switzerland. And he was doing a master thesis there. And he was looking for someone uh, who had some experience in UX, basically in data visualization to start a company. I was still involved in the lab uh, there. And we, we met and we started the, a company. It was just a, a good opportunity. Um, the goal of the company at the beginning quite evolved over time. But the goal of the company at the beginning was about network security. So it was more about analyzing the user behavior uh, you know, of old people connecting to a network to see if there was something abnormal. And to, uh, to, do, to achieve that, we are collecting a lot of information and, and uh, analyzing this information. But I mean, we need to give that information back to the, to the user of the system. So there was a, a big part about UX, about data visualization and so on. And that's the, the skill that I was, uh, I was bringing to the mix, I would say. And so at the beginning, I was, as still a bit today, designing the user interfaces, the data visualization, but I was also implementing all the all the user interfaces because I, I'm not a designer by education. I'm an engineer by education. So I was doing both at the beginning. And over the years, uh, things evolved. I was focusing more just on the UX part, on the design part of the system, uh, first alone. Then I added a, a visual designer to help me on that. And then after a few years, I started to grow the, the UX team uh, in the company. And we are today about 10 people in the UX team. Very cool. Now, w when we talk about this, this is not a small business anymore. So originally, it was just the two of you, what is it, something like eight or 10 years ago? Is that right? It, it was 18 years ago. We were, oh we were three people, two, two, <laughs> two technical people, one person more in charge of, of the business marketing sales. And we evolved over the years. Uh, today, we are about... 850, 900 people, something wow. like that. Um, with, with a revenue over $100 million and a valuation over $1 billion. So yeah, it, it evolved quite a bit. It took a, a bit of time, but uh, but it, it evolved quite a bit, yes. That's right. Staying focused and working hard. <laughs> and there there you go. That's how you end up with a, a pretty big business. Um, yeah, and... and, and Along this path, you know, I, I, I said earlier that we were focusing on kind of network security. We changed our... Or, or business model or, or what we are doing right now, we are focusing on 
the digital experience of, of the employees in large corporations. So we evolve also on that, that side. Very cool. One of the things that, that really struck me in our past conversations that I think is, is neat is this kind of dual role you have is, you know, anytime you're, you're somebody who's started something or you're the early days, you know, you, you have to understand the kind of business side of things and the way to analyze this. And this is not always the case with a lot of folks in individual contributor roles or management roles. It's, it can be feel very vague and, and different to look at things from kind of like not just a financial lens, but more of a how do we make this thing work kind of lens. Can you talk to me a little bit about the, the tension that you see in design when people don't have that kind of business context of, uh, you know, it, it can create some frustration? Yeah, but I, I think it's very important for designers to, to, to be part of this, of this business side as well, not only focusing just on design and, and UX things. You know, I would say it's, it's not always very important if you put the button on the left or on the right. Uh, what is important is to solve the user problem and to understand the user problem. You have to understand also the business aspect. That's, that's why I, I really encourage all designers to, uh, at least in my team to really work very closely to, with the, with the product managers, with people on the field, with customers to really understand the, the problem that they are trying to solve because it's difficult to solve a problem if you don't understand it to the end to really, to really understand it. So that, that's very important for, for product designers. And there's a lot of trade-offs that people might not be aware are necessarily trade-offs, which kind of brings us to the core of your talk. Um, maybe you can provide a little bit of context for why basically you developed this almost like values framework to help your design team understand how folks more on the business side are going to think about the projects that they're working on and the decisions that need to be made. Can you talk to me about you know where this kind of came from? What was your goal when you developed this and how that's kind of played out with your design team after it's been implemented? Yeah, sure. So yeah, it, it, it came from an observation that, uh, or a few observations that I've done with, with, within the, the company and, and with the designer part of my team that, you know, many times the, the designer comes with, uh, with a design proposal to solve, to solve a user problem or to, with several proposals, several alternatives. And then we discuss this alternative with other stakeholders, PMs, and so on and so forth. And oftentimes, the discussion is about, oh, people A say, oh, we should do this. People B say, oh, we should do something else. And it's all about, you know, personal opinions, personal taste. And it's not a very productive or constructive uh, discussion. So I, I wanted to bring a tool to the designers to kind of to ground this discussion and to have something a bit more constructive to align people on some values that we should achieve with uh, with the design and the design decision that we take. So we can all, yeah, discuss all the same language and all have the same reference point, if you wish. Yes, it's almost like it's a shortcut to understanding the pressures and perspectives of, you know, the, the folks who tend to be in leadership positions, the folks who, um, like I like to say, get fired if things don't get shipped. Um, <laughs> So maybe you can talk to us a little bit about like maybe what one or two of those pieces of the value framework are and how it's used. Yeah, so so I, I think there there are five values. I, I won't spoil maybe everything already today, but <laughs> uh, there there are, there are some that are very close to traditional UX thinking, like you know ease of learn, if you of use. Uh, that that's uh, that's uh, a couple of them, but also things that are oh sometimes, but they are all linked to the to the design, but. 
how quickly can you ship uh, your product or even ship your design is also one very important value that oftentimes is a bit overlooked in, uh, in companies. Maybe we can dig in onto that one in particular, like how fast you can ship something. I don't think that that's necessarily obvious to everybody why that is hugely advantageous to be able to ship something really quickly. But from the perspectives of a lot of folks within the product side of the organization and from leadership, shipping fast is is like an extremely valuable thing. Can you talk a little bit about why that's the case? Yeah, for, for me, I'm again, as designers, we, we aim to solve a user problem. And the, the, the problem is it's solved only when you have shipped the product and the users are using your product. So the, the quickest you ship, the quickest the, the, the problem of the user will be solved. So that's, that's good for the user at the end. Also, every day that, that you spend without shipping your, your, your feature, I would say it's a day where maybe the, the, the user will go to a competitor because they are solving that issue for you. Or maybe it's a day where the, the competition can cl- come closer to you also in the, yeah, in, in the competition. So it's, it's important for the business, but it's also important for the user at the end that you, that you ship as quickly as possible. Yeah. I think that piece around competition is really, it's a very important point because again, you know, as an individual contributor, a lot of the time, you know, we're kind of very focused on the one thing that we're, that we're working on and we're trying to do it really well. You know, the, the board of directors or the, you know, executive team, they're worried about somebody coming and eating your lunch. And if, if they're able to ship features faster than you, then that could be a really big problem. It's a bad sign and they get really worried about it. So it's a really interesting thing where. And maybe you can touch on this a little bit, but even it's not necessarily about not doing a thing to its fullest. Sometimes it's about how do we break this up into smaller chunks to launch them iteratively and launch them faster. And that can make a huge difference. Is that something that you've noticed on your team that people have kind of changed as they've internalized this, that they've changed the way that they operate, the way that they explain, even if it's the exact same thing, the way they break it down might be different. Yes, I, I think that's that's one part to try to to shop the the, the overall feature or the overall product in, into smaller slices that you can iteratively ship and design. That that's one thing. But I, I think the the key thing is not just to ship as quickly as possible. Is to find the right trade off. Maybe in some cases it may make sense to take a little bit longer to ship something if it's to improve uh, another of these values more drastically. I don't know. Maybe it makes sense to ship a couple of weeks later if at the end it's dramatically easier to use the system. In some cases, it makes sense. So depending on the situation, you you may want to achieve a different trade-off between these different values. And that's where things get really interesting to find the right trade-off for the situation. So it's almost like this is a tool that, that you're going to be able to use to have more productive conversations mm-hmm. and to negotiate those trade-offs more effectively because you know explicitly what they are now. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly the, the goal of this uh, value framework. So tell me, this is probably a good spot to end on here. Tell me a bit about how your design team has has changed or how their feelings have changed now that they've been able to understand this framework and understand where their colleagues have coming are coming from, you know, how has that affected their own sense of their own productivity, but also their sense of like feeling valued and that kind of stuff as well? Did it have a, a, a real impact on them? I, I think what it what it brings to the designer is first, you know, it's always better to have productive conversations and not just you know <laughs> blah blah blah. Yeah. I prefer this, or I prefer that. So so having something a bit more constructive is always valuable for the designer. 
Also, it helps for me, the designer, to ship their designs, not talking about shipping the product, but at least shipping their design in a more confident way because mm-hmm. they, they know what, what was their goal and they know uh, maybe where the design is, is better and I would say less good, but they, they, they know exactly what they are shipping and what, what is the state. And that makes them more confident because if we, if we discuss explicitly saying, oh, you know, maybe for that feature, the ease of learn is a bit less important because of this or that. It, it, it helps them to, you know, also to ship faster and to be confident that what they are shipping will, will fit the needs of the, of the company and of the user at the end. Because we all know that designers, I mean, we, we, we all like to have a perfect design and we always like to make it more perfect and all the time. So at some point it's, it's where do you put the bar of that that's good enough now now it's time to shape implement and to and to give it to the users yeah that's well it's it's a really interesting talk and it's a really interesting conversation that for those of you that are going to be tuning in to to listen to it it's going to help you negotiate the politics of your organization better better understand the stakeholders and the folks that are in positions of power and what they're looking for um, and better able to advocate for your craft and for your users because you'll be able to do it in a way that's uh, more constructive and more effective that the people you're talking to are going to understand. So I'm really excited for your talk, Patrick. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you. I, I think I'm going to learn a lot from it and uh, <laughs> hopefully be better at negotiating the conversations with the people I work with. So I'm really pumped and thank you for joining me uh, for this for this little conversation and we'll see you in June. Thank you. See you all. Cool. Well, that was Patrick Herzog, everybody. He's one of the co-founders of NextThink, and he also runs a design team where he helps them do great work. Uh, so we're excited to be learning from him this June, second or first week in June, Thursday and Friday, June 9th and 10th. So guess what? There's two ways you can join us. Uh, the first way is you can tune in online for free. And if you go to designconf22.joinlearners.com, you're going to be able to grab a online ticket to watch from the comfort of your own home. But you can also grab a ticket to come in person. You can do that the same URL, designconf22.joinlearners.com, and grab a ticket to come and hang out with us in person in Brooklyn, New York. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to get to hang out, meet speakers, meet some new friends, uh, and have a blast. So whichever way you join us, I'm excited to see you and learn with you. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time.